0: You are listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Thank you, Jesus. What a great time this morning, huh? Worship Jesus. Have you guys heard about the, um, the outpouring in Asbury College, in Kentucky? It's remarkable. Do it, Lord. Do it everywhere, um, oh, some of you may not know i'm Robin Mcmillan i'm senior pastor of the church, and this morning we're having dan Dan Keesler speak again i've announced this i don 't know some of you may not have been here, but just to fill everybody in, Dan has joined our pastoral team, yeah so a great addition you're going to love Dan and Kara. And their kids are nice <laughs> Ellie and Isla Cool little kids So, Anyway, Dan hasn't been able to fully engage Because he's in the process of Finishing con- Reconstruction on a home That he is selling in the mountains And so he hopes to Completely finish that And then come down here and really He's living in two places at the same time It's complicated And I'm not willing to tell you the whole story Nevertheless, Dan, come on up. Listen, you're going to love this guy. We love these folks already so much. So God bless Dan Kiesler and keep him awake.
1: Keep him awake. Thanks, buddy. We are living in two places, so give us grace as we navigate. Uh, Our situation is awesome. I'm also slightly ADD, so I live in like 12 places at the same time. Um, but we'll we'll get to one place hopefully this morning. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive um, in this morning. Father, God, thank you just for your presence. God, thank you for your grace, your heart, your wisdom. God, we thank you that you are who you are, and, and the simplicity of just being with you this morning. Um, God, we can be so affected and so changed. And God, I pray that our only agenda this morning is just to be with you. Because it can change so much more than any other agenda, so God we just acknowledge you in this place in Jesus name amen we're talking about fruit of the spirit it's been so good I think uh, the the words the past few weeks have been amazing um, so thankful for just what 's in this uh, space and I do want to say this like Karen and I are so grateful for the authenticity and the value for God's presence that's in this place. To come into a room and it just be zero performance and effortless uh, is so refreshing. Um, and so never take that for granted. It's just valuable who you are. Uh, but also just who the leadership has been here and the, the culture that's been cultivated is is just something we deeply value. So kudos to you guys. How many you guys love Robin McMillan? <laughs> he loves himself. Uh, I do want to give one disclaimer. I do have a pretty painful pull in my neck right now so if you see me moving weird it's not the holy spirit it's just me being weird so uh but we'll get through it um speaking of the holy spirit and the fruit of the spirit i do want to say this out of the gate um the holy spirit is not an accessory the holy spirit's a person right I think sometimes in in church world, we treat him as an accessory. And when we need something, he's our keychain with the gifts on it. We pick which one we need and we kind of go from there. But the Holy Spirit and doing life by the Spirit doesn't mean that I'm in some trance and then I produce fruit. It means that I've learned to do life with a person who is the Holy Spirit. And out of doing life comes fruit, right? And doing life with him means that I'm learning his rhythm, his way. His culture, his vibe, the way that he would approach things, his perspective in moments. How many of you guys know God wants to do life with us? And when we learn to do life with God, that's when fruit comes, right? Um, So the Holy Spirit is not an accessory. He is a person that we're called to do life with. I want to look at this passage. This morning I'm going to keep in line with the fruit of the Spirit, but maybe zoom out just a little bit. Um, And I don't want to leave us with very practical things to do. Uh, from the message, but really just something maybe to understand and to stir a conviction in our hearts. But Genesis 126, all the way back to the beginning, it says this, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals and the creatures that move along the ground. So this is the intent of God, right? When he says, let us make man, I'm, uh, this is my assumption and theologically where I think I would land, but this is the Trinity talking to itself. This is Father, Son, Holy Spirit in agreement saying this is what we're going to do, and the intent and the desire of God was to make man in his own image, right? Anybody know that passage that says, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, Speaks When you apply this same uh, thought to the Father, that means that when the void of nothing existed and God desired us to be out of the abundance of the heart of God, He spoke and said, Let me make man, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Isn't it fascinating to know that you are the abundance of His heart? You're the thing that came out of His heart. Let us make man in our image And our likeness, and I'm certainly no theologian with the Hebrew, but it's interesting um, that he uses two words here, and he uses image and likeness, and he almost just reinforces this desire for us to be in the image and the likeness. You guys know that sometimes I can bear his image, but I don't always bear his likeness, right? But this is the intent of the Father, was that as people, as humanity, we would look like him, in who we are, but we also would look like Him in how we are. In fact, when I think of terms, Robin just mentioned, and I love uh, revival, I love God moving. If God's moving, I'm in, I love it, it's great. But revival is not good church. Good church is good church, right? I think revival is the restored intent of the Father, Where mankind looks and sounds and flows in a way that he does because that's what he wanted. So if God's going to revive something or restore something or redeem something, that means God's going to put it back the way it was before it got broken. And so the fruit of Adam and Eve's life came simply from being the thing that they were designed to be. Mankind made in the image and the likeness of him. Now I brought a prop today, so please. Um, this is a little juvenile, but just please endure me for a moment. My beautiful wife's gonna bring it up here. She is so hot. <clears throat> okay. Look at this. How many of you guys know what this is? Plato. How many of you guys can taste it just by looking at it? You know exactly what it tastes like. Um this is a stupid example, but I'm a visual thinker. No, I'm not gonna taste it, but I'm gonna pass it around when I'm done. After I've played with it for a while. So, Plato here. We're not sponsored by Plato, just to say. This is an unbiased review. Um, how many of you guys know that this is Plato? Say it one more time. What is this? Okay, so it is what it is, right? I can call it something else, I can pretend it's something else, but this is Plato, right? It will only ever be what it is. Even if I throw this in a pot of water, it's still Plato, it's just now in a pot of water. If I pour water on it, it's still Plato, it's just now wet Plato, right? But Plato is Plato, right? Um, You can't change what it is. Let's give it more of a personal identity. I can't change who it is. Who it is will always be who it is. But how it is can constantly be changed, right? Guys, give me an example. I'm a master sculptor. Think of one thing for me to sculpt you. A snowman? God bless you, dude. Gosh, that's awesome. I did this one time at another church, and they said something like giraffe or something. I was like, come on. So just give me a second here. No, no, I'm good, man. I'm gonna auction this off later. All right, a perfect, flawless, perfectly symmetrical snowman is before you. Now, you couldn't see the snowman in the lump of Plato until I shaped the snowman, right? So, even though I had Plato, I had something. It didn't really benefit you to enjoy this beautiful snowman that you see before you until I shaped it into the thing that you desired, right? And how many of you guys know that um, just because we are something, just because Christ is in me, doesn't necessarily mean that he's fully formed in me? Right? You understand that like when God made mankind, they would only ever be who they were because of his creation. Now, I was born in 1983. Uh, you know, skinny white dude, grew up in the mountains from my uh, parents. I can't change that. In fact, I wasn't even in the conversation uh, with God when he decided to, uh, to inject me into the world. I actually wasn't even in the meeting. Which means I can only be the thing that I was designed to be. I can only be me. Now, how me is can morph, it can change, it can shape. But I will still only ever be me. So when God makes mankind in his own image, this value that he has for mankind because of who mankind is, we will always be who they are. And we know the story that mankind in that image and that likeness of God, the likeness was so in sync that whatever uh, God would do would be somewhat in agreement with Adam. I think this is probably why God allowed Adam to name certain things, because they were so aligned that that's what God would have called it anyway but all of a sudden it takes a turn right it takes a turn and now because of a lie mankind who's made in the image of god still who they are all of a sudden have been shaped into a different likeness and no longer is the fruit of their life fruit from doing life with him but now they're bearing something different in, and it looks like shame and it looks like fear Which is not like him. What's fascinating is. Who they were. Didn't change. But how they were. Drastically did. I think it's. Important. And this is probably the primary thing I want us to. Leave with this conviction of. It is. It's not just an an option and fruit by the Spirit. It's not just an accessory that we get with Christian maturity. It's a mandate on our life to be what He is like in this world. The reason we are here, and when I think again of terms like revival, real revival is being restored to the intent of the Father, that I'm not just someone that says, I am a child of God. I'm someone who actually looks and sounds and breathes and loves and has patience like the God I'm a child of. Man made in his image and his likeness. Huh. See, the tension with Adam and Eve is they were still who they were, but now it was filtered through how they were, right? It's fascinating. Because that means the tension is usually, I don't know, maybe not for you, but it certainly is for me. The tension is almost always between who I am and how I am. Who I know that I am and how I am. Especially as a parent. Lose your cool sometimes. Mainly Kara, not me, but it happens. You lose your cool sometimes and your frustration is, hey, that's not who I am, but how I am is disturbing. Right. And this is what the beauty of the Holy Spirit does when we talk about fruit and life by the Spirit, is he's trying to resync that design of the Father that mankind would not just be made in the image and not just be formed after the substance, but we would also walk in the likeness of what he is actually like. Here's the mandate, Romans eight, nineteen. I think, Chris, I gave you all these verses. Um, but I might have added a couple Romans eight nineteen through 21 Kind of a mandate verse It says For creation waits An eager expectation For the children of God To be revealed Now raise your hand really quick If you're a child of God Amen um, You are that And you can't change that Isn't that awesome? That's how strong the gospel is, how strong the blood of Jesus is, that once you're locked in, you're locked in, right? <clears throat> you are a child of God, right? But creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God, the thing that we are to be revealed. Right? For creation was subjected to frustration Not by its own choice But by the will of the one who subjected it In hope Now we know that was Adam Adam uh, made in the image And the likeness was the leader of creation God gave him this level of dominion And authority to steward the world around him And when Adam's likeness shaped When it morphed When it changed into something else No longer was he like that And now creation didn't have a steward fascinating. So therefore, part of the redemption story is that the fruit of our lives is that all of a sudden, not just his image, but his likeness is destined to come on the children of God so much so that the creation is waiting for it. You know, what's fascinating to me is the very first question asked in the Old Testament is, Adam, where are you? And the very first question asked in the New Testament is, where is he that's born king of the Jews? You know why that's fascinating? Because both are looking for the likeness of him. Adam, who was made, had just lost it, and God comes and says, hey, where did my likeness go? Now the crazy part is... Adam never changed. He was who he was, but his interpretation of who he was was diluted and it was broken because he had shaped into some other likeness that wasn't like the Father. And God comes, and it's not because. You hear that's my preacher voice breaking up. <clears throat> Finally, been waiting to go through preacher puberty for years. Um, but we know God didn't need the answer. God didn't lose Adam Adam lost Adam The question wasn't for God It was for Adam Adam where are you? Well he was still contextually in the garden He was still man made in the image of God His likeness had changed though And when he's not like the Father His response now Is altered And then fast forward to the second question All of a sudden The likeness of God Enters the world again For the first time since the fall, not just the image, because the world was full of mankind made in the image, but for the first time since the fall, the likeness of God was resting on a person again, and it was Jesus. And you see the authority that Jesus had when the image and the likeness, when not just the spirit but the fruit are operating in sync, creation is being liberated. Creation, whether it was the lame who could now walk, whether it was creation where the waves would obey the likeness of God in the flesh. The likeness of God in the flesh who could now all of a sudden walk on water. The likeness of God who would love those who were on the outside. The likeness of God who would sit at the table with people who by cultural definition were nothing like him. And the likeness of God shows up for the first time since the fall resting on a person and now all of a sudden all of reality is negotiable. Because that's what it looks like for the children. And at that point, a singular child, the Son of God, to be revealed. And a revealed child shows up, the Son of the living God. And everything starts to change. If there was ever a model of fruit by the Spirit, it was Jesus. His likeness and His character were now on a person. Here's what's interesting and I would say this especially in our context because sometimes we try so hard to squeak like a blueberry out of the tree right Um, but if I really learn to do life with him if I truly learn to get in his rhythm when I bear his likeness the world around us shifts now, for you, that might just sound like, man, we got way too much authority. Like, there's no way that's true. But all creation's groaning, waiting on that. Right? It, can, I, can I just challenge one thought? Please hear me out. Um, you can kick me out after. Sometimes we're so obsessed with, like, catching a moment or a good moment or a move of God, like we try so hard to squeak out a, a drop of revival or, or, or a thing. What if our greatest goal is to simply learn to do life with Him? Because in doing so, the world's liberated, revival comes, things begin to be redeemed. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, uh, waves are walked on. That's what it looked like when Jesus did it. Jesus didn't come to have really good church. Nothing wrong with really good church, but that's not the point. Jesus came to show what it looks like for a steward of the garden of God to be restored to the intent of the Father that mankind in his image and in his likeness sets the captives free. There's a a, a quote that I love and it's sobering. I think I saw it on a bumper sticker so it may not even be the right person. Um, It might might not even be a real quote. But I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, I think it's a Gandhi quote. And it it says something like this. He says, I I love your Christ, but I do not love your Christians because they look nothing like your Christ. Wow. Now, you can take or leave Gandhi. I don't care about that, but that's a sobering thought, right? Right. Because for centuries we've plowed, hey, we're the children of God. And we've gone to courthouses and we've tried to hold the line of truth. And we've done all these things in the name and the image of God. And the problem is the world looks and they realize we're not really like the Jesus that so many saw. Right? That our love has an expiration date. That its capacity is low. Or that our patience... Or a value for people doesn't seem to match the value that the Father had through the Son. It's a sobering thought, right? Now we know this, again, you raised your hand because you're a child of God. If we are in Christ, we're a new creation, that's true of who we are. But just because that's where we are doesn't mean that we've been formed, right? That we've been shaped. Here's what I want to say to us this morning. Our identity as sons and daughters, as the creation of God, is given. Right? It's given to us. It's a free gift. It is given. You can't change it. You can't morph it. You can identify uh, as someone else, but you still will always be a good example. I could dress, like with the right clothes. This is probably a bad analogy. With the right clothes, I could make myself resemble Michael Jackson. Right? Here's the problem. When it's time to dance, it's only going to take a minute before you realize I'm not like him. Because I can't dance like I mean, I can't. I just don't, don't want to do it right now. Um, but there's a problem between who I'm trying to be and how I'm being. Identity is given. I can dress like MJ all day, um, but at the end of the day, I'm still just me. And the truth is, Michael Jackson didn't come out of the womb uh, with a moonwalk. That was something that was shaped and formed and something that he had uh, to practice. So sometimes life by the Spirit, even though I believe it flows from this rhythm and this life with God, it's also something we have to intentionally practice sometimes, which is to extend love and grace and peace and forbearance and kindness and gentleness and all those fun things in the moments that we don't want to. Right? Which means that identity is given, but... Characters formed Right Everybody's Plato But to shape that Plato Into something that looks like The father Is a process It's a journey But it's something that we're called to Why? Because creation is waiting On Plato to be formed Into the likeness Of him Right I don't know what I'm making I think it's a ninja turtle He says, Adam, where are you? Which is a very powerful question. Identity is given. Character. And specifically, I want to point out, not just any character, but the character of him. Character is form. Here's the uh, English definition of character. It's the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So let me say it like this. Character for us is to carry the mental and moral qualities of Jesus. That's what we're called to be formed into, right? And you're formed into that by a couple um, different ways, but I want to stress this really quick, Galatians 4.19. Paul's writing in just a, a quick snapshot of context, churches in Galatia, there's cultural and ethnic collision, right? You've got God who was uh, kind of uh, exclusive to a people group and now all of a sudden the bubble is burst and God is for anybody and everybody in the gospel is spreading like wildfire but there's still mystery and pieces flying around that no one knows what to do with and now all of a sudden you have cultural collision and streams merging and no one knows what to do and the beauty is there's a starting point of who they are in Christ and Paul was the master of preaching this gospel because Paul would take it to anyone and everyone and say hey if you're in christ you're a new creation it wasn't exclusive to the jew or the gentile the scythian the slave the free but he takes that gospel and he declares constantly the new testament is full of it talking about who we are in christ in other words you are the dough can't change it this is now where you are it's now who you are it's what you're made of but Paul's also frustrated and he's passionate in these moments where they're not being the thing that they are. <laughs> right? And he's writing in this context and he's uh, written to the Galatians before I love Galatians, one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. But he says this, listen to it just his passion and probably his burden. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. That's This is how I know he was burdened Because that's not a a light thing to feel Not that I've ever felt it But my wife did um, And I was glad that I didn't have to So, uh, for childbirth until Christ is formed in you So Paul, who's a great teacher and proclaimer of the gospel And who they are in Christ Also was stressing about the fact That hey, just because it's who you are It's how you are that changes things To not just be in Christ, but for Christ to truly be formed in you. Man. Because Paul understood creation was groaning for that formation and that manifestation of who we are to be on us. Right? Not just to be in His image or made of His substance, but to actually be like Him. And Paul's stressing this. He's navigating it. Always think of Jesus, who again comes. He's the image and the likeness, but even he allowed himself to be formed. Remember the time he's—they've uh, gone to the temple, and his parents are bad parents, and they forget and they leave him behind. Now Jesus wasn't lost, but they lost Jesus, and Jesus hangs back and he's you know teaching and. Parents come back, and he submits to his parents, and I've got the passage here, I don't think I gave it to you guys, but it's in Luke, and it says that, uh, yeah, Luke 2.52, it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and Which is fascinating because Jesus has given this uh, example that even though he was God in the flesh, the image and the likeness, the flawless one among us, he himself, through humanity, also submitted to this forming process, even though he was everything, he allowed himself to be shaped into the right thing. So that it wasn't just who He was, but it was how He was that was changing the world. Here's how I know that. Most of the world when Jesus was here didn't even know who He was. But how He was was changing everything about the world. Right? People felt value. The sick were healed. Because of how Jesus was. How Jesus was just had this mysterious hook that drew men. To the Father. They didn't even know that He was the Son of God. They didn't even know that He was this image and likeness, Word made flesh. I mean, only a couple people had the inside uh, scoop on that, and creation was drawn to Him because of how He was, right? Because of how Jesus was. Everything was changing, but Jesus allowed Himself to also be formed. You know, can I. Say it like this, and this is not a Christian bash us uh, message moment, but when it comes to like, oh, how do I navigate this? Robin, you might have to clean this up if I get off course here. But sometimes in the church, we're screaming so hard at the world to see that we're the light bearers of truth, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like we're just, man, we're just... I don't know. We just have the loudest voice of, hey, we're God's people. Here's the problem. The world doesn't care who you are. You know? They don't. The ones we're called to reach, they don't care who you are. It's how you are. That's the challenge, right? Because you can say who you are all day long, but how you are is what affects them. This is why fruit of the Spirit is so important because fruit is not primarily just for you even though we benefit, it's for everyone around you. Jesus bore fruit of doing life with God because He was God, but the fruit on His life was healing and relieving the world around Him. So if that's true of Jesus, then creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to be revealed. That means that those... Who we are, us, are called to look just like He did. Which means creation will be liberated when we're not just who we are, but it's how we are, that we're like what He is like. There's two uh, things I put in here, and not a lot of practical this morning, but there's two main things that I think are the foundation uh, for building, not just character, but His character in our life. And it's pretty simple. One is, we have to know His likeness. Right? We have to know His likeness. I think one of the big challenges of when Jesus came, and even in the moments where He would acknowledge He represents God, their challenge was, He didn't look anything like God. Which meant either Jesus was lying, or they didn't really know what God was actually like. Right? It's the first time they've ever seen what God was actually like was through... Jesus And Jesus comes, and He is the likeness of God. But I still think sometimes our struggle is, do we really know what God is like? Because how can I bear His likeness if I'm not even sure what He's like? And we've said it, I think, throughout the series, but how can I love my neighbor? Or how can I love one another the way that He loved me if I don't really know how He loves me? If I don't know what His love is like, then how do I know if I'm dispensing the right kind of love? I put this passage in here, which seems probably abstract, but it's Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. This is out of this uh, commissioning moment. And it says this, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In this Greek wording, it means to immerse them. And you can translate one of these words literally into the character. So go immerse them in the character. Of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? I actually like that order. Maybe it was on purpose. um, But I like the order because what I realized um, a long time ago is sometimes we're really good at skipping a couple. Right? And we get them filled with the Spirit and send them out, but they don't know what the Father's like. And that's called terrorism, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like we, we get them, just hook 'em, a load them up, and send them out, but they don't even know what God is like. They're not like the sun for sure, but we unleash them on the world and we wonder why the world uh, is really sick of, of the church talking about who we are and how we are is the problem. Well, it's because we've fast forwarded and skipped a few things. To raise Him up and to fulfill the Great Commission means we've got to go and immerse Him in what the Father is like, because that's what the Son was like, and then the fruit of the Spirit and His likeness rest on our lives, right? But if I don't know what the Father is like, then at best, empowered by the Holy Spirit with the prophetic gift, I am a terrorist. Immerse them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, so if we don't know what he's like, then we'll produce what he's not like. We'll reproduce what he's not like. The other layer is this. We have to know who we are. Okay? So we have to know who the Father is. We have to know what he's actually like. And we have to know who we are as the children of God. I think this is one of the things that Adam lost because of how he became the shape that he took, his interpretation of things altered reality enough that he now thought he was something that he wasn't, right? Hmm. See if I don't know who I am as a son, then I'll always let how I am define me, right? See the world we, we, we there's an identity crisis. Because everything's defined by how we are. The whole world is constantly defining themselves because of how they are. Maybe for you this morning, maybe um, you've got one little struggle or one little mental thought or one little moment, and because of how you are, you've allowed it to define who you are. And as a man thinks, so is he. So whatever you believe about who you are is what you're going to produce. This is why it's imperative that you know who you really, truly are. And Paul, again, is constantly loading the New Testament writings to the churches about who you are. I mean, just crazy statements. Like, if you've been raised with Christ, set your mind, set your heart on things above. In other words, this is already true, so now let your soul have a look around and see who you actually are. You know what's cool about the New Testament? There's, uh, there's the, this, this Greek kind of, um, language and, and it's, it's unique to the Greek language in the sense that it's almost like giving it's a past tense command, right? So sometimes when we read these passages in the New Testament where Paul seemingly telling us, Hey, go do this thing. We, we kind of slant into the, the realm of kind of like law and performance, but that's not what Paul is saying because Paul just front-loaded it by constantly saying, Hey, Jesus died. He paid it all. We were sucked into him like a vacuum. It changed everything about humanity. You've been raised and buried and all that fun stuff. This is who you are. And then he says, since then, right?" he pivots. Why? Because he's declaring, this is who you already are. You are already the dough, but now be formed into the thing that you are. That's what this language is saying. Be the thing that you, this is not good English, I don't think. Be the thing that you already be. He's not telling you to go do that in order to be. He's already declared that you are. He's just telling you to live out of who you really are. But if you don't know who you really are, then you'll always be living something out trying to be who you think you should be. And oftentimes, how you are will constantly be defining defining who you are. But there's a truth about who you really are. You know what's funny? Um, we might be the only ones in creation, I think, that do this, except maybe my dog. But you don't have to convince any other part of creation that it is what it is. Right? Like an orange tree grows oranges. No one has to convince it, right? Like I didn't go out, talk to my orange tree and say, orange tree, now we're going to have a conversation. You, me, I need you to make oranges. So let me just tell you who you are. You're an orange tree. Like I don't have to twist his arm and try to convince him. But you realize Paul spends so much of his ministry trying to convince people that they're orange trees said, hey, this is who you are. That's why he's frustrated with the Galatians. Because they started in the gospel. They had an understanding of Jesus. He's not writing to people who just heard it for the first time. He's writing to people who started the right way. And then it's been hijacked by religion and performance. And the Jews have come in. And now there's false teaching. And they're all lost. And they're not really producing the fruit of the Spirit. That's why that's even in that uh, book to begin with. They're not re- reproducing what he's like. They're frustrated by trying to do things. To be like him, right? And Paul's frustrated because he's already told them, Hey, you are orange trees. Why do I have to come back and tell you again that you're an orange? Would you just grow oranges? Just be the thing that you are. But it's hard if you don't really know who you are. And the challenge of it sometimes is it's by faith. We have to learn to rest in who we really are, right? But Paul's constantly writing, trying to convince them of who they are. Jesus does this too. Matthew five thirteen through 16, greatest hits Bible verse. Everybody knows this. Here's what he says. He says, you are. So he starts with that. You are. It's the analogy. You are something. Okay? He's not saying, go do this and then you'll be. He's just saying, you are. In fact, the, the very reason he's having to share an analogy is probably because they're not being the thing that they actually are. So he starts with, you are. Here's who you are. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness. Now what happened? Adam was the salt of the earth, but when he fell, how he was had changed. He was still salt, but he was no longer salty. So the thing that he was called to preserve, which was creation around him, now had no preservation until Jesus shows back up. And Jesus flips it on us and says, you are the salt. You already are something. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he uses another one. You are. This is who you are. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town... Built on a hill, cannot be hidden. Neither that people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light... Now, he's not talking in this sentence about who you are. He's talking about how you are. You are salt, but let's talk about how you are. Are you salty, or are you not salty? You are light, but let's talk about uh, how you are. Are you a light that's hidden under a bowl, or are you a light... That is benefiting the world around you. You understand both of these are loaded with this concept of fruit on your life. That's not just who you are, but it's how you are that brings redemption to creation around you. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see how you are, right? That they may see the likeness of who... He is on our lives. Mm. You know how we lose saltiness multiple ways. But when I let how I am define who I am or when I begin to taste like the thing that I'm called to preserve. That's what salt did, right? Jesus man he, He had this ability to get so close to such deep brokenness but never change who he was. And more importantly, it never changed how he was. And in those environments, everything started to change. You understand Like this is the one thing I want us to leave with today? We have a call not to just bear fruit like as a Christian hobby. But we have a mandate to bear fruit for the redemption of the world around us. All creation is groaning, waiting on His likeness to be revealed in us. And again, Paul writes, I am laboring, just like in childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Why? Because... You are who you are. Your identity's given. But what he's like is being formed. It's being shaped. We don't have time to go here this morning, but just a quick reference. This is why it's so important that we have this in the body. Because this is part of what helps me form and shape. Into what he's actually like. Learning to love people. Right. Is learning to be like him, which means I need people. There's a couple of things I've mentioned. And I'm going to pray for us. There's two things I always realize help shape my character. And it's usually people I don't like, um, or situations I did not ask for. Right. It's so true. Um, when I first got to Charlotte. Um, I realized everyone, I don't don't know if you guys have had the same experience, but everyone wants to race in the car. (laughs) And I'm not a race guy. I don't know how to race. But I remember I was on 485 one day and um, just everybody's racing, you know, and I thought I didn't get the memo And I look over, and this person, I just know. You know how you just know they know that you know that they know when you're doing this thing on the road? And you both know it, but you're both acting like you're not even going to look at each other. But she was trying to beat me, like she was trying to win, you know? And I look over, and this just, like, total soccer mom is just laying on it, man. Like, she's just going to town. and, And I'm like, that's not who I am. I'm not a race car driver. But I don't know what took over Like so all of a sudden I wanted to race her You know Like <laughs> and so I caught myself You know <laughs> And how I am And who I was Were in conflict You know There was tension um, But it's in those environments It might be traffic for you It could be you, 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 you Picking your kids up from school It could be Just having lunch with somebody But it's in those environments Where your character's formed Right The places where you have to consciously choose to practice to be the thing that you actually already are. Never think because you didn't nail it that that's not who you are. Because who you are is not determined by how you are. Right? In the moments you don't think you're enough, and in the moments where you're having tension between who you are and how you are, never allow how you are in a moment to define who you are in eternity. You're a child of God, right? You're a son, you're a daughter. Now just be the thing that you are. That's what this journey is. That's what fruit of the Spirit is. Learning to do life out of who I am, because who I am is concealed in Him, and who He is is wrapped in me. And this whole journey of faith that we're on (laughs) is simply allowing the identity that's already been given to form the matching character that rests on my life. Yeah. That we would be in his image and also his likeness in this world. Amen. I want to pray for us. Father, God, I thank you that um, we don't have to do anything to be. God, I thank you that... um, We sit here this morning with this eternal seal of redemption and identity and affirmation. God, that the gospel runs so deep and so vast, that even in one phrase it says that we are prisoners of Christ, meaning we're locked in we couldn't get away if we wanted to and God I thank you for that and God I thank you that your goodness and the depth will always be far more than I can comprehend but Father we need this burden to not just be who we are but to also be like you. And God, it's funny because I say that and it's such a balance to not go into some weird performance mode and some area where condemnation could come when how we are doesn't always line up with who we are, but what I saw in you, Father, was you came in Jesus and you didn't penalize the world based on how they were because you know who they were and yet, I pray that every person could leave even here this morning with just a, a resting assurance of who we are so that how we are would never be able to shake or cause us to doubt But we would constantly be formed through this beautiful luxury of grace and mercy into the likeness of Jesus in the earth. Because God, I I, I know that all creation groans for me to look like you, to sound like you, to love like you, to steward like you. To not throw stones like you didn't throw stones. And in full confession, God, I don't even know how to do that. Which means I need to know how to do life with you so that it can come out of the ebb and flow of who you are in everyday life. And so, Father, we just submit by faith to the process of knowing you and allowing your definition of us to be the thing that produces the greatest fruit and the greatest measure to fulfill the call of being your children in the world. And we trust you with the process. In Jesus' name, amen.